Welcome to the latest episode of Engagement Zone. Uh, as I said on our previous episode, we had a, a slight pause uh, whilst we had our conference in New York City. Um, but we have uh, them coming fast and furious at you um, over the course of the summer months. Um, in current affairs this week, uh, the lionesses of, the, of England uh, went out to the United States in the Women's World Cup last night. Uh, it seems like whether you're a man or a woman, if you wear an England shirt, you cannot score a penalty. Uh, but we're unlucky to them and good luck to America in the final. Um, we also open for entries tomorrow in the UK and Europe. Uh, there, there will be some some changes coming with regards to the awards, uh, which will be replicated around the world. And, and, and to that point, we hopefully have some very exciting news with regards to Australia and New Zealand later in the year. Um, that kind of nicely leads us to our, our really special guest this week. Um, from Company of the Year in Australia New Zealand, um, UE Insurance. Our guest, Ryan McGorry, was uh, our keynote speaker at our conference in Sydney uh, last year. Uh, and he's joining us all the way from just north of Brisbane today. Um, so it really, truly is a global podcast. Um, he's going to talk us through uh, what he's been doing at UWE, um, the journey they've been on so far and what's coming up. So, so I was going to say good morning, but it's good afternoon uh, down that part of the world, Ryan. Yeah, it sure is, and it's almost good evening. It's just the the sun is actually setting as we speak. It's just um just had to turn the bedroom light on there, so so I can still see my screen. Uh, thanks, thanks very much, Mark. It's an absolute pleasure to uh, to join you, and, and and thanks for the nice introduction as well. Uh, I don't know what what determines a, a special from a really special guest, but I'm uh, but I'm sure I've just just come up in the world. I, th- I think I can tell you that you you know worked for a, a award-winning company of the year. It definitely makes you a really special guest. So, um, and although it's absolutely glorious and sun- sunny in England for once, it's probably probably the same temperature as where you are in your winter. So there we go. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah. If not a little bit colder, probably. So, um, so yeah, it was an absolute uh, uh, honour to to see your entry uh, a couple of years ago uh, and then for you to speak, um, obviously finalist again last year, speaking at our conference. Um, are you able to t- give us a bit of background to, to who you are, what, who you is, um, and, and, and the journey you've been going on, really? Um, and I'll, I'll pop up with a few questions throughout, throughout the podcast. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, I'll try and do as little talking as possible because, given the opportunity, it might might turn into my podcast, Matt. Um, so I'll try. I'll try my best to be succinct. It is definitely your podcast. Uh, people want to. People people are tuning in to hear how they can inspire people uh, and transform their businesses through and get through engagement, well-being, uh, and different initiatives. So it's definitely over to you. Okay, nice one. Um, well, first off, a bit about myself. You can, although, although I'm residing in uh, north of Brisbane, as you mentioned, in the Sunshine Coast, uh, the accent's not really from there. Um, uh, I'm from Glasgow originally, um, uh, so I'm an immigrant to uh, to Australia, and and that's where I've been working for the last the last uh, thirteen to fourteen years. Um, my background's actually not really in um, uh, where I didn't really come from from HR or. Or uh, engagement. I actually started out in, in journalism, communication, PR, marketing, and copywriting. Um, so that's kind of my personal background. And I've, well, I suppose as many people do, they kind of fall into something that that typically becomes their passion. And that's what's happened with me with an uh, employee experience and employee engagement. 
it's really come from a desire and something of you know I've loved for a long while was to contribute to people's health and happiness. So that's that's kind of where the journey journey's come from and started. And I was given that opportunity, um, at UB Insurance to to really research um, and put forward uh, not only just a great but a world class health and well being uh, program or solution. Um, so it was kind of customising the build it our build it ourselves and and. That was kind of maybe. Do you want me to go through the journey of how we started or how we came across things, and what, what do you think would be most helpful to your listeners? Or you want to give a few things that we've learned or some tips, Matt? What would you like? Um, I think yeah. What what why you started uh, the 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 research that you did, and, and what what the journey that you then travelled. Um, what took you down that journey, uh, and and the challenges you faced along the way? Because I think one of the biggest uh, hurdles that people have it is the instant success instant results that people want these days uh, and you know most things don't come with an in- instant impact um, and and you have to you have to have people that buy into it and, and to support you um, over over a number of months and years so yeah just just explaining your journey would be really really helpful okay um, well, well first off since it was a kind of customized uh, approach from uh, from our perspective, it was really understanding who we were um, as a company, trying to understand the people, the environment, um, uh, and what was contributing to either people's positive or poor poor health, um, and trying to find out ways that we can be successful. So we wanted to, to kind of study who we were as an insurance company, understand um, what we had and what set us apart. We had to do a kind of honest um, assessment. I think that's really... Important. It's the really strong foundational work that often gets missed. You know, people read what's best practice, and often they jump um, into what's already been done without first taking um, uh, that kind of analytical or uh, analysis of who um, uh, of who they are and who and what what defines them as a business and what's and, and what's special about them. So we actually asked the question: Well, who the hell are we? We understood that we're we're data we're data daft we're an insurance company we love we love data um uh, uh, or, or data i should say as well and, and we actually care as an organization we we do care about people and um, uh, both both from external and, in, and an internal lens is kind of what sets us apart in the industry um we're also hands-on we we don't um uh, as a company we don't really like to buy things off of the shelf and although that makes things um, makes things a little slower for us in the beginning, it, it allows us to take further strides forward in, in terms of being flexible. Um, uh, we're also very competitive, so so it's in our nature as as a challenger brand in the insurance landscape in Australia. Um, you know, we're competing for the the kind of small um, uh, smaller parts of the market share as we're only ten years old. It's kind of in our blood. We're not. Anymore, a startup. But we've still got a lot of that startup and challenger mentality, and that, and that really breeds um, a nature of uh, being competitive and very ambitious. So that was kind of the makeup of who we are that then allowed us to make make some decisions, um, or or at least start to research about how we could do that. Yeah, and I think um, I think another thing that was really really a breath of fresh air for us is we kind of went to to our executive committee and said, look. We are we are an insurance company. This is who we are. We're 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 office based. Um, uh, we're largely a call center. You know, we've got people who are sitting there sedentary, who are sitting inside an office. And although we're in the beautiful Sunshine Coast, um, uh, we're kind of inside 
um, uh, for most of the day. Um, and they were really respectful of, of, uh, of the fact that we had we had to get better and then gave us the kind of blessing to, to go forth and create something that we could launch and learn. Um, and, that's, and that's kind of how we got started. So that might kind of depict the first few steps, um, you know, kind of understanding who we were and then to try and take an honest approach to doing something that was going to be, um, that was eventually going to be world class. And we knew that we had to, had to learn a lot um, in the beginning. So, so Ryan, um, I think it's really, really interesting that you actually try to find out, think about who who you are as a business before you you um, you embarked on on the initiative. So, what what were the what were the first steps once you'd done that research? Um, I found the first steps once we've done that research was then then to get into the um, uh, I suppose the nature of what we were trying to achieve. So that was overall who we were as a business and what uh, what were some of our unique characteristics. But what we're essentially trying to do is, is improve people's health and happiness. So we had to understand that. And I, I don't come from a medical or a fitness background. I come mainly from a, a marketing and promotional background. Uh, and maybe that's how we treated it. We had to treat it as um, uh, something, a product that we had to both promote to our executive team to say that they should back this and, and also promote to our people. So we had to, to get into the nitty gritty detail of what was actually going to contribute to people's health and happiness. Um, um, so we took that um, research pretty um, pretty seriously. And we looked at those that, uh, things that would contribute to, to people's uh, physical health and happiness um, to, to make sure it was going to include. What did you say to the leadership team to get their buy-in? You know, how did you phrase it? What what evidence did you, you know, present? Because um, I think that's, again, one of the biggest challenges that people in organisations with all the greatest will in the world, uh, they, when they're confronted with trying to get the money from, from the from the top, it's uh, usually one of the biggest barriers. Um, yeah, it is. And I suppose there's no, there's no approach that I think you could... Um, well, no real wash-through approach that I think. You know, every and each time I've, um, I've interacted... And um, the executive committees haven't followed a particular formula or yeah. pattern, um, but I suppose if there was kind of a construct there, I mean, you, you kind of want it. If you if, if you if you're working on something meaningful and you believe in what you do, then find out the reasons why, um, uh, and also maybe paint a picture of if uh, as if the if the world was con- to continue in this direction, what it's likely to look like, mm-hmm. and often you can find indicators of that. And you can find indicators in, uh, in the anecdotal and, and and a lot of times you can find indicators in the data as well um, and asking asking that executive team, well, is that within their appetite to, to see those things continue? So what I might be talking about there is, um, uh, so we are, um, as I mentioned, a sedentary environment where we're kind of performance driven because we're ambitious and we're new and competitive. So so. We're in this nature of business where there's a lot of lot of um, uh, salespeople. There's a lot of a lot of call center based staff, and typically those environments um, uh, are kind of a high high sick leave, high high sickness, um, uh, um, and also maybe maybe high turnover as well. Um, it, it just it just is that kind of environment. And although we were might have been better than our competitors in, in, in those aspects, it wasn't really a benchmark that we were, were happy with. Those numbers were saying we, would, we can almost improve in this area. Um, and these are, these are the physical things, the environmental factors that are getting in the way of us and achieving this. If people are healthier and happier, then, uh, then 
you know, not only does, does performance and those other things improve, but we actually create a workforce and a culture um, that can achieve um, what we're ambitious about, uh, achieve our objectives. So, I mean, with health and happiness, it might be it might be um, uh, uh, an easier one. You can play to the heartstrings, you can play to the fear factor, but you can also play to, to, to good bloody science, and there's plenty of it out there. I, I actually quite like the fear factor. I know that. <laughs> I know that might be uh, <laughs> might be bad, but uh, I, I don't honestly, genuinely think I've ever thought about playing that angle, or, or I've heard it from other people actually. Um, so I, I think you know, it's 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 a, it's a positive. Although you know, negative, it's a positive driver, isn't it? If we continue down this path, then you're going to see these results. And do do we want to operate as a business? Uh, business performance will drop off, drop off, and I'll our health of our, our people will will also do the same. I think that's actually quite a strong motivator. Well, it's definitely a strong motivator in the marketing world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, make people feel really bad and then, and then provide them with a productive solution. Well, yeah, um, politics, but, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For the market. I mean, in this whole kind of cultural landscape, I mean, people, I mean, uh, at, at the executive committee, it's really a HR person's, um, or anyone who represents employee experience and employee engagement, it's their role to consult the business um, uh, uh, on, that, on those aspects, to, to honestly represent what the lay of the land is, mm. not to hide the fact figures and not to hide things, but honestly um, uh, represent those things and then and then ask people to uh, to be involved um, uh, in the solution. You know, I mean, no one likes being dictated to, least of all those who sit on an executive committee. Um, but but if you if you do want the correct amount of buy-in, then you have to come consult, present the right present the right ideas, and then work together on a solution. And um, uh, I, I don't know if that that's done well enough um, uh, in a lot of places. And I think I think again, it might be one of those things that's that's forgotten. There might be there might be some executive boards out there who just wanna wanna hear how great things are. And then want to give give you give people heaps of money so they go off and uh, go off and do things that they don't really don't really uh, buy into. Uh, but but it. like all like all our guests, we we could talk we could talk for 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 a long long time uh, on on this. But so you presented with the challenge, you've done your research, you've got your buy in through whatever means necessary. Um, what what did you go off and do at at that point? Uh, and then we could talk about the, the results that you've seen uh, ongoing within the business. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, after doing all that kind of background research, then we then we made we made uh, some objectives and um, some aims that matched who we were as a company. So they were going to be competitive and they were going to be ambitious. Um, but it was underpinned by by a level of um, comfort and that we had we had the. Uh, um, um, uh, we had the approval to fail, uh, fail fast and fail often. So we, we want to be ambitious and actually improve everyone's life um, who worked with uh, Yui. We wanted to make, make make it so that by working with Yui, you could actually be a healthier and happier person. Um, and so that was a kind of vision that we had. So we wanted to create a program that gave people that opportunity. Um, so, so we wanted to fail fast and fail often. We just wanted to start small and learn. So we, we did launch a program and try to learn very quickly from it. Uh, some of the mistakes we might have made that are probably interesting to share with people, we asked exactly what, what people wanted in a health and wellbeing program. So a lot of people didn't have, have a perspective of what it could be. We had nothing. We asked them what they would like. 
And then I think the very, very first three months, we implemented everything that people asked for um, and didn't necessarily see see the dials move or, you know, people's life changing or, or, or even a great uptake. And so that was an early lesson. Um, and the fact that we had kind of robust, uh, we kind of had to do, um, you know, we had to look at what else was happening um, in the environment, what else people were doing and trying, and then and then try to implement a lot of things rather than just do what people asked and asked and requested. We just tried to do a lot of things to then find out what stuck. Um, and I think I think one of the things we've done that's, that's kind of given us success and, and also continued success is is actually measuring attendance. So so I know that, that sounds very very simple. So we put on events. And we put on info sessions and we ask people to commit time and uh, effort um, uh, to challenges, being involved in these kind of, you know, seven day challenges or, you know, eat real food for seven days or go to your phone for seven days, you know, all the things you see socially. Um, uh, and it just gathers attendance for that. Because once we knew, knew what was what was working and what was successful, then we could then begin to to track not only the participation data, but then to see if there was any any outcomes from it. So, and we started off, as I mentioned, very simple. So we were capturing this, just writing down names on sheets. You know, we're going back to we're going back a few decades with our approach. There, it was it was so simple. Um, <clears throat> and we found that people people liked setting themselves little targets. People liked like going to things. People liked seeing the variety, uh, and then understanding that it wasn't. Um, uh, kind of fly by the night thing, and I, yeah. think, I think when people did realise that, when they realised there was enough there that they were going to find something that they enjoyed or something that they could they can be involved in, and that we weren't going to pack up the program and take it away, that's when it really kind of kicked in, um, and a lot of people a lot of people started to uh, to begin to enjoy it, enjoy it regularly. In the background, we all see. How long into the the, the campaign uh, did that take? When when did that realization happen with the people in the business? Say, okay, this isn't change or change. Say they're going to stick with this. Um, I'd say well over a year. Yeah. Um, okay, that's that's know, very good to know. Yeah, well over well over into the second year actually is when is when is when it got kind of serious. So we found our model, we found we found what worked, and then we and then we just did a lot of writing and a lot of marketing and a lot of promotion. Um, just internally about what we're what we're doing, what was available, and what we were trying to achieve. I think that level of transparency is pretty pretty refreshing. We don't have to hide behind the fact that we're putting together this program that was kind of for the business um, uh, to get results, but there was you know, and, and a byproduct of that was people found something fun to do. It was just more honest about both. Uh, I think I think that's kind of refreshing as well. Um, and we're also honest about trying, you know. Putting a resource aside to um, to actually actually do this and monitor it and make sure that it wasn't fly by the night. You know, people see the sincerity after a while. Um, something I like very much is the um, uh, innovation bell curve. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but anyone who's uh, studied marketing will be. It basically says that you know the first five to ten percent of people. Uh, on a product or service or something new are going to be early adopters. The next bunch of people are going to kind of find out what the early adopters say about the product or service before they get involved and dip their toe in the water. And then the next bunch of people are kind of the majority and they just want to wait to see results and want to wait to see that nothing's really wrong before before they'll get involved. And I, think, I think that's how we kind of took our approach to 
to launching this and also launching many other things that we've done since. Um, it's kind of, you know, you get your early adopters, you know, and then and then know that the next bunch are going to come so long as you haven't uh, drastically uh, done anything critically wrong. Um, uh, and then and then make sure you prove prove that you're working and, and, um, and that what you're doing is actually effective. And, that, and that, that's when that happens in a year and a half for us. Um, so can, can you just quickly repeat the that curve and the stats around that because uh, the technology failed us a little bit yeah. there um, so uh, was it five percent at the beginning uh, are going to be the early adopters and what's what's the big stat, stat at the back end basically everybody waiting to see if it's going to work yeah. <clears throat> okay so I'm, I'm good. I'll say this as, rough, as roughly as I can because I don't think it's an exact science no, but, um, no. uh, or, or even that I'm able to represent it to the nearest percentage. But you'd say roughly about 5 to 10% uh, of your population will be early adopters uh, of things. So that means you launch something and they're, and they're the people who are going to show up because they're curious and because they want to know and they're naturally enthusiastic. Uh, after that, there's, there's another three categories. Um, uh, the second category is generally the people and they represent about 30%, roughly 30, 35%. And they generally wait to see what the early adopters say about things uh, and, uh, and what their experience was. And, and they might be a little late to the a little late to the party. So they kind of bunch into things. As long as things are going well, they'll start to dip their toe into, uh, into the water. And the next group of people are, are perhaps the most important people because they represent the majority. Uh, after you after you've convinced this section of people, another thirty to thirty five percent. This kind of means that you're going places, but that that group of people tend to like to see results. They want to wait. They want to see what happens. They want to see that it's effective. They want to see that it's working because they're convinced mainly by by numbers and not feeling and story, but by a combination of both. So maybe the more analytical and critical people, but. Once they see that, they tend to stick stick the toe in the water. Um, uh, after that, now the back end of things that might be your five to ten percent of people who you know are just generally maybe uh, uh, a little bit pessimistic, unhappy, disgruntled, um, uh, whole combination of things, or perhaps you're never going to convince. Um, but that that kind of roughly, if you can see it in a bell bell curve, whilst I'm explaining it, um, that's. That's how you approach things. I mean, I mean, the same goes for Apple products as well. You know, your early adopters are the people lining up out the front of the door and waiting on the product launch. The people afterwards are maybe the ones who read reviews, who kind of see what those early adopters are saying about things, you know, making sure the battery life is all right and all that stuff. And then the people are a year later, they'll, they'll, they'll know it's worth it for their hard-earned cash after they've seen the results and, you know, nobody's blowing their ear off by, by, by taking a phone call. Yeah, well, I think from from an engagement and putting people first, engagement experience, whatever you want to say it, I think we're probably at the, the first 30% bracket, past early adopter, people, those who've waited to see who's jumped on board, and I think the majority is still, still yet to come. Um, so, you you know, people like yourselves are those those people that are providing the results for the, for the next 30%, really, um, and it's what we're trying to achieve here. So... Uh, so you've you've you know I, I love the whole idea of approval to fail, fail fast and fail often. Uh, I think that's fantastic. Um, so people have uh, started to go on board. It's been over a year. You've been doing doing. Uh, you've been working hard to to keep improving what you've been doing. What the, what do you, what kind of results did you start to see both um, both from a, a business point of view and from a from a people point of view? Because uh, I know there's some seriously great health benefits that came out of this uh, for, for, for one point, from one standpoint too. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, um, I suppose the benefits that we've seen and, and you know, going back to, to taking attendance, that was really a market genius because we know who, we know um, being an event or a participant participation-based um, uh, programme, we knew who people were and what they were doing and at what time and over a period of time we began to measure that so we could correlate attendance or participation data with um, you know, sick leave, with performance, um, with, with turnover um, or, or staff retention data and also um, uh, uh, like happiness survey um, or staff engagement surveys and then we could have a look at a split so the, so the easiest way to describe this is say those people who were going to things regularly and perhaps people who weren't. Now, what differences were there in, the, uh, in those metrics? And, you know, I suppose it'd be no surprise to anyone um, that the, the basic science kind of prevailed on that. And it showed that people who took an interest and participated in health um, health or well-being based uh, initiatives um, uh, were healthier and happier when it came to the metrics that we measured. And they also wanted to stick around at the business a hell of a lot longer. Um, and and some of those figures were, were, um, were you know, astronomical. I think you have 185% more chance to stay with the company um, just by being involved in one, one thing a month. Um, which is is pretty impressive, but it is actually ba basic science. So that's that's also um, a key thing for the individuals as well. You know, if someone takes an interest in their health and happiness, they do they do feel they do feel better, make better decisions. They're more focused, and they and they do feel a connection um, to the culture. And of course, the byproduct is that by having these um, uh, positive things for people to attend to, and um, people to attend and participate in. This culture was kind of naturally growing. You know, we're a culture that cared, and 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 the fact that we put on these events, all of which, by the way, are absolutely free, um, and that was kind of kind of culture personified or care personified. So they were 185 percent more likely to stay, and I know you actually were improving the lives of of the p people, for, you know, making them live longer, uh, like physical activity, alcohol, dietary habits, all that kind of stuff. You able to take us through that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so, so we did um, a, a, like a health risk factor survey. We, we do it every two years, so between 2014, 2016, 2018. Uh, and basically, uh, people, you've probably seen something similar yourself. It's, um, it was a prescription. We've done it via via Bupa Health Insurance, um, uh, so they I think they're in the UK and I think they're in a yeah. number of other countries. Um, uh, actually, I'm just name, name dropping at the moment. Bupa, uh, but they did a they did a uh, <laughs> a health survey um, that very that people uh, uh, who took part in it. It gave them a bit of a health age, but to, to arrive at that health age, they have to ask a number of questions, uh, and it was benchmarked by data from their complete client base of around 11,000 participants. So it gave us good benchmark and good average data, but it also gave us our kind of UE score um, every couple of years. And we realized that the, that the uh, risk factors decreased in a lot of things over the course of two years after us, after us implementing this program. We realized that people's um, uh, physical activity improved, their, their, their risk of um, uh, their alcohol habits improved, the dietary habits, the smoke, uh, their exposure to smoking and exposure to sun. Um, uh, which is a big problem here in Australia. I'm not sure if you get that much in London, but we've, we've been <laughs> yeah, exposure to the sun's a big thing over here. Um, but also reduce the the likelihood of chronic health conditions and also musculoskeletal conditions, so like lung and, lung and breathing problems, wow. liver problems, kidney, diabetes, 
um, uh, cancer, cardiovascular conditions, back pain, neck pain, knee pain, knee pain, shoulder pain, all those significantly dropped in the space of two years just by having somewhat of a focus on it uh, in our environment. A lot of that was even informational based and quiz based and um, uh, a lot of things that would really, really surprise you getting down to the nitty the gritty of what we actually provided. Um, uh, but yeah, just working on a strong focus, it showed that it could have uh, an impact and and actually people's lifespan by working with the organisation, which is um, which is pretty pretty phenomenal. Something I'm really proud of. And and back in the business, I'm guessing this translated into more energy at work, high performance uh, due to due to the the increased health. Um, I'm absolutely sure it did. We didn't we didn't actually measure the performance. We kept it basically on um, on that, so we didn't really it felt. I suppose, I suppose it felt a little bit big brotherish looking at looking at the performance of um, of people off the back of their their attendance. I'm sure it was there, and I'm sure it was represented as all yeah. basic science science kind of says. But we just could we could we see some metrics that, that gave us an indication for people who were becoming healthier and happier, and they wanted to stay with us. That kind of spoke to the cultural yeah. element of it without going too much into performance. I've, I've I've been a little bit uneasy with that, you know. Like I know I know it provides a really strong argument with your executive committee if you can prove that what you put on uh, event-wise for people translates into into better performance. But we, although the temptation is there to go do a deep dive into the data, and and we really can, and um, we haven't we haven't done that yet. We've stayed pretty pure with it. Fantastic. Is there anything else you'd like to share with with our audience with regards to, you know, how how it, how it impacted the business uh, overall, or, or what what you're focusing on next? Um, I could maybe share a little bit about about the uh, about gamification because that's something I've been passionate about for uh, for a while as well. Um, so we we kind of uh, studied as we we're launching. Um, and health and well-being program. I was kind of looking at the next thing. I started to study uh, gamification in the workplace. And I suppose I always had that dichotomy of thought where it could be um, really fun and really great for a culture and really um, uh, and really fantastic. But then it also could be a little bit uh, um, uh, big brotherish again, is maybe the word I kind of think of in 1984 for reference. You know, people being being trapped. Um, so, so we try to see, see if we can do this in a, a fun, engaging, creative way that gave something back to people and it, and it was really meaningful and also perhaps connected a bit of dots to, to purpose and, and, uh, and people's roles that they perhaps otherwise would struggle struggle to see. Um, and this kind of uh, environment that it seems, and I think you alluded to it earlier, we would want instant results. There's always a temptation to live life day day mm. to day a little bit too yeah. much. I know that, well, that's not a bad thing, you know, living day to day. But if you if if what you consider is important, only what the previous day's results were, and then the next day what you're going to do, then then it could be a bit uh, it could be a bit fatiguing. Um, so what we're trying to kind of establish in our culture is what was important um, overall in our culture. What were what were some signs and signals um, uh, that represented being a great a great citizen um, of UE. And once we defined that, we kind of fleshed out. It was quite a, a holistic, like, did it mean that you were, um, you know, you were with us for, for a long time? Did you contribute to internal communications and contribute to ideas and dialogue with the organisation? Um, did you participate in our charity events or health and wellbeing programme? Did you Were you really keen about your online learning and you jumped online and did all, did all the courses and stuff? 
Um, so we kind of come up with this massive list of all the things that we thought contributed to, to being a great UV citizen. And then we realised that all of them were kind of online based, that all of them were attendance tracked. And we thought, well, why, instead of waiting to these yearly awards or waiting to the end of the month or, you know, six month uh, stuff to congratulate people, we could just be, you know, letting them or giving them recognition and, and letting people be aware of all the amazing things that they're doing every day, but also see how that plays out over time. Um, so that's kind of where gamification became became a solution to us and that it could give you the day to day um, kind of tracking benefits of seeing how you're um, seeing how you're doing and what you're and all the great things that you're doing every single day. But then also kind of set long term uh, targets and look and look look forward to your career milestones uh, rather than just being reminded of them every six months or year. Um, so that was, that was something we worked on for a while. We kind of kind of done a lot of a lot of design work and created it, and um, uh, actually won us a couple of awards last year as well. After we'd launched it for a year, because we're starting to see a lot of positive results um, and, and and a lot of great organic uptake um, and uh, and our org group um, around that. Oh. Yeah, I haven't lost me. I just I just kind of wrapped up that sentence there because I realised I'm probably bleeding bleeding into too much time. With no, me. it's absolutely <laughs> absolutely fine. Well, look, it's um this is our longest ever podcast. Um, but I think I think there's a reason for that. I think um what you've been sharing is is very insightful uh, and and inspiring uh, and lots of lessons for people to take back into their own business. Um, which we will highlight um on our on our website too. Uh, we'd love to write up your case study and publish it. Um, and when uh, when we're next in Sydney to try and get a, a video interview too with you. Um, but I think some really key points come through there. Um, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, people started buying it after a year. To, you know, you had to prove that you, you're, you were dedicated to the work you were doing before they really started to buy into it too. Um, you know, the fact you had the approval to fail, fail fast and fail often, I think. A lot of leadership teams around the world could, to, could learn a lot from that, and also the um, the politics of fear almost you know show show what, what the worst case scenario if we don't change. Uh, I, I quite like that. Um, uh, the, the, the devil yeah. inside me likes that a lot. Um, so I think I think even that that global goal stuff is is was pretty inspiring actually. Sorry to kind of interrupt your wrap no, up no. there, but you know you know the kind of global. That the UN kind of created. What it was out of fear, but they're very positive facing. That's some things, and I'll, I definitely, I definitely do agree agree with you on that. But that, that was just one point I wanted to make. No, 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 apologies. Um, so, so what 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 are you up to uh, outside of work um, over the next few months? Anything interesting? Um, outside of work, I'm moving house at the moment, so that that's kind of uh, taking oh, wow. a lot of mental <laughs> energy. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's stressful. <laughs> obviously, look after. Uh, I do a lot of fitness stuff um, at artwork, but I do I do a bit of boxing outside of it. Not not competitively, but just just because I've always enjoyed it. Um, yeah. And what else outside the work? Ah, oh, jeez, man, I'm just um just just walking the dog, walking the dog, looking after looking after a uh, little one and a half year old. Um, yeah, pretty much fantastic. Just just happy stuff. Just, just enjoying the Sunshine Coast over Glasgow, uh, walking the dog. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, fantastic. Well, look, good luck with <clears throat> good luck with the move. I know how stressful that can be, but how rewarding it can be <clears throat> once it's all done. Um, and look, thank you, 
<clears throat> excuse me, fog in my throat. Uh, thank you so much for your time this evening, uh, for sharing the story, uh, and congratulations again on you know being one of those those early adopters dri driving the, the world of work forward and uh, and being company of the year in Australia, and New Zealand. So, just thanks so much, Ryan. Thanks for your time. No problem at all. Pleasure, Matt. Thank you. Um, uh, we'll be back with another episode uh, of Engagement Zone uh, soon, well, very, very soon indeed. Uh, we're talking with, with David Beanie all around uh, one of uh, the most prevalent issues in society at, the, at present is finally getting the attention it deserves around mental health and well-being. So uh, we'll speak to you soon. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.